Midwifery for the People is a podcast about reimagining the way we approach the entirety of the birthing year. Margot's goal is to combine her radical imagination with her knack for strategizing to bolster the birth revolution and a larger global revolution of feminine consciousness. Midwifery for the People is a production of the Indie Birth Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Now here's your host, Michael Blackstone. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Midwifery for the People with me, Margot Blackstone. And I have on the podcast today, Alan Stevo. And we had a really fun conversation that I'm excited to share with you. He is the author of the most extensive book written on the topic of face masks. And I know it's, you know, June 2022 at this point, and some of you might be thinking, like, is that still a thing? Should we even be talking about it anymore? He and I get into that and so much more in this episode. And I think what I really love most about our conversation is that it comes back to some of our really core values and principles and mission here at Indie Birth, which is autonomy, self-responsibility, leadership, and being brave in the world and setting examples and being role models for our kids and for our communities so that we can move towards a more beautiful world and a place that we really want to leave for this next generation and the many generations that are to follow. Yes, this episode is about face masks and all the things that come along with that. I think that this episode is going to be really helpful for the listeners out there who really have salt at their core that the whole thing with face masks and the vaccine and lockdowns and all of it are really a bunch of BS, but maybe have felt alone in that perspective. And this is a chance for you to listen in on a conversation between two people who are on the same page with that. And that alone is so valuable. And I think you're going to get a lot of other really great ideas for how to exercise your freedom muscles, as Alan says. And I love that so much. So I hope you love it too. And without further ado, here is the episode. All right. So today I have a guest here with me, which I'm really excited about. I have Alan Stevo on the podcast and I would just really love for you to, to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your work and what we might be talking about today. Margo, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be with you and thank you for the work you do. I've been writing for, I don't know, 15, 20 years about topics of personal liberty. I write pretty much every day. I'm putting some piece of writing out and sometimes multiple times a day, print columns and websites and yada and very involved in lots of ways. And when the, the, the Ides of March 2020 came, when COVID, the, the lockdowns came March 17, 2020, a lot of my writers, readers were saying, hey, I've, I've figured out how to get by with the lockdown. Maybe I've kept my business open. Maybe I've, my, my things are going okay with the kids at home now. And all, right, all these things were figured out. But 
I don't know what to do about the face masks. How do I go get through the grocery store door and this and that? And there were people writing me, people writing me from New Hampshire, Arizona, California saying, this works, this doesn't work. What do I do? What are you hearing works? And a few hundred of us basically sending emails back and forth like that came up with some methods that worked. And this became what I focused on because I saw what a need there was for it. And I can be good at navigating systems and figuring out how to hack through them. And this is, you know, in the world you operate in, there's a lot of hackers, I would argue. And a hacker is someone who <laughs> goes from, well, it's not the just the sinister term that gets used in the news, yeah. but someone who sees uh, point A and point B, mm-hmm. and instead of following the culture's whispers to go 26 steps around to get from point A to point B, they say, no, thank you. I'm going to go straight from point A to point B. And that, that happens with the food they eat, with the medicines they choose, with whatever decisions. And I know being a father myself, I, I know how how keeping births as natural as possible is a way of hacking the system, which is telling us, no, you gotta, there's gotta be Pitocin and there's gotta, you gotta be in the hospital and you, you better have an obstetrician, you know, and it's another form of hacking what my audience I were able to do. And that's to say, there's ways to not wear the mask. There's ways to not wear the mask safely, ways to not wear the mask legally, ways to not wear the mask and to do it without pressure. And maybe for your audience, those will be things we talk about and two books came out of those conversations with my audience and uh, I'm eager to share some of that. And uh, yeah, tell us the titles of those yeah, before we yeah, get yeah. into it. That first one, I got them both right here. Excellent. The first one is called Face Masks in One Lesson. That okay. came out in November, 2020. And this, you can get what you need out of it in about 10 minutes of reading. And it will, it, it gives you this, a method of getting through the, the grocery store doors, the doctor's doors, the hairstylist doors, whatever, anywhere you've got an obstacle. It gives you a plan for doing that. And it the plan is a, a concrete beginning. It, it starts out with that 10 minutes or so of reading. And then if you feel like you need specifics, it's got a chapter on almost anything you can think of. At jury duty, what? how does this apply? How does the system apply? At the barbershop, how does it apply? At, at the grocery store, how does it apply? And thousands of people have used this really successfully. So that's, if you're still wearing a face mask and you just don't know how to get by in life, this will get you there. It, it'll just, it gives you some real easy options. So that's like, that's 20 bucks or something like that, probably even a little cheaper and it'll take you like 10 minutes. So that's made for the busy modern person. And then this one, face masks hurt kids. This is for someone who doesn't know why you shouldn't be wearing a mask. So the first one is how to not wear a mask, which I think is yeah. the mo- more important one personally, but, and this is yeah. the why. And it's about, this will take, it takes you about 20 minutes to get what you need out of it, even though it's about 500 pages. So this thing is meant to take to the doctor, to take to the the relative, to take to the teacher, to take to the principal. And the chapters are two pages long, three pages long. The titles are super descriptive of things like how face masks cause degeneration of the thought process, how face masks make the lungs, affect the lungs really very quickly after starting to put them on. So the titles give you a real clear kind of talking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if someone, you can page through this book literally with a doctor and say, what about this? Have you thought about this? Tell me why you think this is wrong. And you want to dig into it. This thing's got 800 science scientific citations. I spent eight months digging through the science and trying to figure out, is there a real argument for a face mask working? Is there a real argument for being safe? And the truth is they do not work. They're against the respiratory virus. They're not safe and effective. Yeah, I love that. 
oh man, where to start? So yeah, let's give a little context. So here we are, we're June, 2022. I'm going to save this question for later that I was going to ask you, but yeah, like things, I guess maybe now is a good time. So people are saying things like, and I think I saw something you recently wrote about this, that like face masks are over and oh, we can just move on with our lives. I'm imagining, and, and I saw what you had written. I won't give spoilers. I think I know what you'll say to this, but what would you say to someone who says, oh, why should I still care about this? Or why should I still be thinking about this mask thing when like, it's mostly not a thing where I live anymore? Yeah, I I live in West Coast lockdown land and the plan for California is the plan for the rest of the United States. And I I put so much effort into just from local organizing meetings to all kinds of, I do all kinds of things. The groups of folks around me, we put a lot of effort into making sure California does not become the plan for the United States. And the truth is that those there's public health officials who very much intend to bring back face masks as soon as the flu season comes back in September, October, something like that. The kids are going to be masked again. If the face masks were over, they'd be over everywhere. And that would mean you wouldn't, you'd be able to walk into a hospital without any tension. And one of, an audience member of mine is, he's trying to get into a hospital. We've been unmasked, unvaccinated. We've been on the phone back and forth with hospital administration. It's got to be 30 or 40 times now. And there's just so much you can do it. I've been through hospital doors, no problem with no mask. You can do it. It just, there's so much resistance and they're, they're, it's kind of, they're keeping this alive in this corner of yeah. society where you can say, it's just for those people that doesn't affect me, the sick people, the elderly, and maybe you even convince yourself they should be wearing a mask. They're the last people who should be wearing the mask. The more sick you are, the less you should be wearing a mask. You need oxygen. You need breathing. This is the normality <laughs> of all human history. I don't know anyone who's ever said to me, you need to breathe less, Alan. You need to right. breathe less deeply. You need to obstruct your breathing. I, I can't ever imagine that being said to me, but yet that is, that's what we're doing. And these are very bad for you. And they're being kept in a holding pattern. They're, they're, they're public health officials read their conversations with each other in their, their own periodicals. They're talking about rolling mandates for the masks for forever. If we let it go on for forever, it's going to go on for forever. Forever. Yeah. And it's when you first reached out to me about coming on the podcast, one of my first thoughts was like, yes, I definitely want to talk about this. And then next I was like, I want to talk about this with someone who's done the research. Like the nerdy part of me just loves how much research you've put into this. And yet, like I mentioned, I have a seven-year-old and I have a three-year-old and have been extremely opposed to either of my three-year-olds never worn one because he absolutely would never keep one on, even if I tried. My seven-year-old wore a fake one on an airplane when we went to Ecuador. But aside from that, like I have shielded them as best I can from, from wearing them And same in my life as an adult, me and my husband, I feel really strongly about it. And I'm normally someone who loves research and I honestly haven't researched it much because I just, on the one hand, yes, this is really a cool conversation. I want to get into it more with you. And also just like intuitively, it makes no sense. So like it, I didn't need the research to know that it's a terrible idea to put a thing over your face. And especially, I just didn't even need the research. And I think a lot of people do need it though. So I'm really glad you did this uh, research for them so that they can get into it and hear the truth because yeah, it makes absolutely, yeah. Why would we want to breathe less? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying it that way. And that's why I started with kind of the how for people who intuitively said, no, this is wrong. Not doing it. Then That's why I started there. And the, the why is for now, if the people who get it 
aren't able to draw a boundary right now. That's the use of the world, Margo. The people who say, I get it, I'm drawing a boundary. That's where the boundary is going to be drawn. And if the Margos of the world aren't drawing that boundary, it's not just going to disappear. It, it, the plan really is to go forever. For forever. But I, I want to commend, I want to commend something you said. You, it's so wonderful you and your husband are on the same page. I know there's plenty of families with this conflict. And part of the conflict, part of this period is how do we divide people? How do we yeah. isolate them? And as much, if there's conflict, as much as you can just focus on the things you love about that person and, and not let this period divide you, it, it's so important. And you said you said as well that your three-year-old just won't wear it. And I, I commend you for creating that environment around your child, your children, where there's children who've been broken, where they just, it's horrible. And it makes society breaks a lot of people. Some people say, Almost everyone's broken in Western society by the time they're 40, that they become, at that point, you're either, <laughs> you're either like irrecoverable, that you're always going to be like the ready to go anywhere, or society's finally gotten you in line. And some people get in line by 18, you figure mm-hmm. out this is the system you're going to operate in, and that's it, and you get in line. And for kids, the idea that a, a two-year-old in this era has been broken, this is just such a tragic detail. And the parents who've protected their kids from that, that's, I want to commend them for that. And it's going to, it's going to benefit your children to, to have had that protection. And the parents who haven't protected their kids, it's not too late. It's not too late to say, I made a mistake, Billy. I made a mistake, Jane. We're not going to do this yeah. anymore. It's not too late. And they need that. I love that. That's like a rallying cry for sure. It's not too late. And yeah, we got to do better. Okay. There's so many things that you said there that I wanted to jump off of, but yeah, the dividing piece too. I mentioned before we started the recording, we haven't lost a whole lot of followers here at Indie Birth just by way of we are radical rabble rousers and the people that follow us are already on this same page with us in a lot of ways. But in my personal life, I have had some really interesting divisions and losses around this issue of kids and masking. And I'll just mention this one story too. Uh, I still don't know which former client of mine it was, but apparently a former client of mine reported, I was having a free childbirth education event here in my office. Was it last? It was 2021, last spring, May, 2021. And they called OSHA and let them know that I was having this gathering and that I was not requiring masks and that I was being very naughty. And so OSHA called me and said like, how dare you be so audacious as to offer a free childbirth education course for the community and not and blatantly say, I think it wasn't even, uh, I had something on the website saying, if you feel like you need to wear a mask, don't come. Essentially, this is for people who feel comfortable gathering in a group. Masks are a distraction and take away from the experience. Like we have plenty of virtual options for learning if you feel unsafe and need to stay home and learn from home. So they were very upset about it. And long story short, OSHA dropped it and they actually were like, sorry, never have bothered you. We're not going to pursue this further. It seems like you're doing really great work in the community. And that was that. But um, yeah, that was like just really disheartening to yeah have this person who I had allegedly at least formerly helped be so upset as to report me and then I've had other clients uh, former clients that have now not re not hired me with subsequent babies because of my position around masks and vaccines and stuff I liked what you said though about focusing on the commonality because uh, and what you do love about each other and I think those are really wise words because I also have some really wonderful relationships with people who aren't on the same page 
that have withstood somehow the the COVID years. We'll see if that continues to be the case. But yeah, so what those relationships you just described that they've endured this time, that it speaks to a different some other quality about those people where they're not they haven't been totally convinced that the the superficial political environment is their whole being, right. that there's probably more to them and there's more to the relationship and it can endure. And and at the same time, this that person who reported you, it's great they're out of your life. This is congratulations. Yeah. These tense moments, they help to bring discernment. They helped us, they helped to it's good to be divided from some people and it makes room for other people mm-hmm. in your life. And that's a beautiful thing. And you want, we all want like the highest value, most enjoyable, whatever, or most challenging, or who knows what the thing, the yeah. things that bring you the most life, you want them in your life because life is so short and so precious. And that's awesome that you got rid of a few of those people and they, you know what? And they shouldn't be around you either. If they're not valuing you, they should be around yeah. people. They should go be around the friends who are going to report them to OSHA. If they step out of line, that might be who they really want in their life. And this is if, when it comes to dividing, dividing people, I think like the spouse relationship, you got to really be careful around that. And you got to really figure out how to like nurture those most important relationships. And, but you shouldn't, there's other relationships. You just have to understand they can ebb and flow and you don't have to feel bad about it. It's okay. Right. And you guys might have another season together, right. but if, if you have like big blowups right now, or you like chase each other around for months and like, why won't you be my friend? This may, that, that can make the next season real hard to get through together. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's okay. There can be disagreement and yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a million stories, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold them. I can record those another time. We've got you for these precious moments here. So tell me and my audience more about why face masks hurt kids and what, what's the cliff notes if they're like not maybe on the same page yet with understanding that. And then I'd be super curious to hear more about your perspective on what to do if their kids are in school or somewhere where masks are being enforced. Like I have homeschooled kids, but I have plenty of friends who have kids that are in school, public, private, charter, and have had to deal with these sorts of things in the last couple of years. Sometimes very much on the fly too. Yeah. The story you told with the the OSHA report, I want to I want to commend you for that as well, that you stood your ground. You offered the free class, even though you probably could have come up with a million ways to say, what will people think of me if I do this? And I'm not asking anyone to, to storm Omaha Beach. I'm not asking anyone to spend their Christmas in a fetid French trench with bullets flying over their head. I'm just, I'm asking people to identify their boundaries, communicate their boundaries, and defend their boundaries. And that doesn't have to be violent or anything like that. That doesn't have to be aggressive even. It can just, it can be real calm words. And there's been such an encouragement. Modernity encourages us to look at each other almost as ATM machines where you give them this input, they're supposed to give you that output. And that's how it is from the total transactional. Yeah. Part of the, and face masks simply feed into it. And that, that, that woman reporting, you've told me nothing new, basically. There's always people who want to control you. And that's, we just have to understand if, it wasn't face masks. It'd be something else they'd co- they'd figure out about how to control you over. And yeah. there's just people and that's their goal to like control others and manipulate them. And those aren't, those aren't the people we should worry about too much. You didn't worry about them. And they exist throughout all history. And I think they, sometimes I describe them as hyena and there's people in this era who they're high like people. And your audience probably has some ideas of people. They see them in the news and they're like, 
that person is trying to take advantage of the situation. And there's other people, and it's the vast majority of people, they're looking for who to follow and what to do, and they're skittish. And sometimes people will derogatorily call them sheep, but there is a sheep-like nature to who do I follow today? And, and what do I do? And what am I supposed to feel? And I can't imagine going through life that way, not knowing exactly what to do. And that I, I understand how a lot of people are scared, and that's their nature to they don't know. And and well, but neither totally. Yeah. Neither of those two groups are the, the determinant throughout history of the trajectory of history. It's They're not variables. They're always there. The hyenas are always there. The sheep are always there. The third variable, and this is going to, to speak especially to your audience, the third value is the lion. And the lion's always there, but there's periods where the lion is asleep, and there's periods where the lion is awake. And the sleeping lion may be choosing to sleep may not have heard the right message yet to wake up. Who knows what it is? May have gone back to sleep. The awake lion, though, behaves just the way you did. The awake lion lives his life, lives her life. And by you don't even need to organize the lions for there to be more freedom. You don't need to have a grandmaster plan. You just wake up some lions. The lion's going to roam around life and live more free. And as they're living more free, they're going to spread that freedom around. And this is this is how I like to spend so much of my time waking up lions. And I know once I wake them up, they don't need, they don't need me to micromanage them or anything. They just need right. to be woken up and they're going to go out there and do, do freedom stuff. And there's lots of emphasis to pay attention to the sheep, pay attention to the hyenas. And the news is always, oh, there's so much fear mm. porn in the news and yeah. they want to depress you and tell you you're losing and, and just feel so bad about your victories, even whatever those victories may look like in life, just feel bad. And don't start new projects, don't have new kids, don't start new businesses, whatever it may be. Just feel bad. It's the wrong time. Don't go on a road trip. The gas prices are too high. Feel bad, right? There's all this feel bad, feel bad. But the truth is, just these hyenas and these sheep don't matter at the end of the day. The woke lions, the awoken lions, I should say the awoken lions who are roused, moving around in their life, they just spread freedom. When you talk about that's the, when you talk about what to do here, that's a, that's where I want to always be bringing people back. I have all these approaches for saying no to the face masks. And some examples would be saying, I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. And just, there's 50 years of Americans with Disabilities Act history that, that explain why that's a totally okay answer. But I think it's also like, a cop-out answer. That's like a training wheels approach. And I think it's good sure. to put the training wheels on sometimes. Mm. It's okay. There's good arguments against training wheels. There's good arguments in favor of training wheels, literal training wheels. But I get that's the training wheels approach. And if you're doing nothing, if you're still wearing the mask, I want you to take the training wheels and do it. But ultimately, where we need to be is having those frank face-to-face -face conversations and mm. not yelling, not yeah. feeling intimidated. Just, hey, this is my boundary. I'm not going to do it. And I get it's your corporate policy. I get it but I still want you to serve me. How do we make that happen? When, you're, yeah. when you can have that conversation, man, it's going to feel so good. And people write me over and over again. They put the training wheels on and they say, I can't believe it was so easy. I didn't believe because in their head, they're saying, everyone's going to be against me. Everyone's going to yell at me. Everyone's going to treat me bad. And you asked another question about the uh, how it hurts kids exactly. You want me to give you those footnotes or should I pause for a second? Give you some space. No, I think... I'm taking some notes over here. Give us the footnotes version. Cool. And then cool. I have some follow-up questions cool. and thoughts. So face masks for kids, that book, again, it's 
real short chapters, about 500 pages long, real short chapters, two, three pages. You can read the chapters in, I don't know, two minutes or something, bunch of science and real, it'll be stuff. Some of the stuff you will never have thought of. It's, I go I in depth. To that. <laughs> I, I point out things like why you shouldn't even let people in a face mask drive your children around. Why oh, the yeah. neighbor's going to pick up the kids, or take both your families to the pool or something. Bus and drivers. dad wears his mask. Bus drivers. It's the face mask. The face mask impacts the neurological processes of the person wearing it. And this is right there. You know, there's even a good debate for should a doctor be treating you? If there's, if you want the doctor to be at his highest good, should the doctor be treating you in a mask? And Society has said, of course, the doctor has to be wearing a mask, except the reason for the mask is uh, surgical outcomes. And even the studies around surgical outcomes show that face mask in a surgery room around an open wound may not even be doing its job. Even then, there may be worse surgical outcomes. So there's a real good... It's fascinating. We, we have this tradition, we have tradition that we've built around the face masks. And especially in Asia, there's 20 years of tradition, but... Right. It's being built more and more into the U.S. We have tradition around dentists, tradition around doctors. And it looks, when you look at the actual science, it looks like this it's tradition, but not science. And then, so I go into things like that are a little, you know, maybe not the everyday thing you might think about. But when you think about other ways it harms a child, it could be, we spoke earlier about breaking a child down, that this is, there's so much effort put into getting a child obedient. And I like to think, yeah. I like to think of a child as a miniature human, not a different creature, but a miniature human and that the child deserves to be treated with all the same rights and all the same respect and as quickly as possible, able to handle as much responsibility as possible. And I'm not talking about bad things that a child shouldn't be around. I'm talking about there's nothing wrong with giving child, children challenges. And the opposite, the very opposite approach, if you had to come up with the total opposite approach of treating a child as a human, it would be, I'm going to mask you. I'm going to mask you over nonsense. You're not going to understand what's happening. If you ask questions, you're going to get in trouble. Maybe I'm going to say it's okay for your teacher to hold you down and mask you if you disobey. Maybe I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stand up for you when they mark your grades down for not wearing your mask properly. I'm not going to stand up for any of that. And you're going to know your parents do not have your back and you're going to know it from a young age. And that to me, it's just so sad. So there, there's another kind of area where, you know, a face mask hurts a child. It's a sociological way to look at it. Yeah, but then when we, we get into the body, the kidneys, the lungs, the heart, the brain all have measurable impacts upon are, are measurably impacted shortly after you're putting on a face mask. The, Right now, there's an increased campaign around menthol cigarettes in inner city communities. There's a lot of money going into this campaign saying, oh, you're inhaling the, the filter. You even inhale the microfibers from the filter. Mm. The truth is these face masks have so much. There's so many chemicals that are not tested for long-term use. They're being inhaled in the body. They're, so anyone who's into, into natural living, you're putting this, just were you made to do all the things that a human is made to do or... Are you incomplete except for a 10 cent polypropylene mask from Wuhan province being on your face? It's the most preposterous thing for, for a person who's into to natural living. So these microparticles, they get in the nose, they get in the lungs. We have no idea what 20 years of those microparticles being embedded in the lungs looks like. But we know from cotton industry workers, from textile industry workers, that 20 years in a textile factory with all those particles getting in your lungs, 
basically makes your lungs non-functional. Maybe it's 40 years, maybe it's 60 years. At some point, stuff builds up. And some people's bodies, they handle it better. Other people's bodies, they'll get these fibroids. Their lungs just stop working. It's miserable. You choke, you suffocate on your own lungs. So there's all these. And so when we say, when people say, just wear the mask, it's a neutral. You'll make others feel comfortable. Just wear it to get through the door. There's no conversation about, is the mask really neutral? And the fact is, it is unsafe and ineffective. Thank you so much for the the Cliff Notes version. That's really helpful. And like you said, there's the physical piece and then the, yeah, the emotional, social, psychological pieces that are just as important. Absolutely. And that's the reason, Margo, the reason for the reason for writing that book, Face Masks Hurt Kids, is there's all your listeners have probably heard 40 Cliff Notes versions like that. They've people have sent them little YouTube clips and they've heard things here and there. And someone got on a soapbox once at some meeting and someone who just read something. So there's all these, there's all these little clips of information running around and you don't save it in your phone. Usually when you hear it, you're not keeping your notebook right next to you. And this is meant to be a resource that might be helpful for you for a long time, where you're going to find, you're going to find all these different arguments you've heard and you're going to see the science behind them. And that's what can be an organizing tool. Yeah, because synthesis. when you sit down, even though you might feel quite expert on the topic, because you've heard 40 different little snippets like I just gave from different people, and they seem expert enough. But when you sit down to have a conversation with someone, you're probably going to be quite at a loss. So yeah. the book is set up so that in that moment, like 20 minutes before that conversation, you can just flip through that book and say, oh. I forgot about that point. Yeah. That is, and I knew in my heart that point was true, but so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's your own notes that you would have taken if you were totally diligent every time someone was bringing up a good point of for eight months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I loved your idea of bringing it into a doctor's office or sit with a principal or, or just even buy them a copy or whatever and give it to them because I know for me, and this, I guess, goes into the next point I wanted to get to, I get overwhelmed and flooded and anxious when I'm having those kind of like hard conversations sometimes, even when I'm feeling lion-y. So having that as like a backup and uh, support during those conversations I can see would be really helpful. And yeah, I guess I wanted to just point that out in case listeners hadn't already drawn this sort of parallel themselves, but I just love what you're saying. I love what you're talking about. It sounds so similar. Are you familiar with like nonviolent communication? Yeah. It's in Rosen, Rosenberg. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Rosenberg. Yeah. I think, yeah. 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 That's and, a neat and, one. yeah. And it's something that we teach to our doula students and our midwifery students in terms of working with women, coaching women, and then also helping them interact with midwives, doctors, whoever their care team is, like you're saying, really understanding your own boundaries and then holding those. Um, and so I think a lot of what you're talking about with the mask stuff absolutely translates into the birth stuff. With it. And that's why a lot of times here at Indie Birth, we talk about how our mission is way beyond birth. Like the idea is just that if we can help women reclaim that moment in their lives and become lions in the process, that that's going to then be passed on to those children. And it's also going to ripple into her mothering and the rest of her life and hopefully the husband's life as well. And it's going to just create these really strong families who know how to say, no, that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I want. Like you said, without 
unnecessary aggression or conflict, but just from that like really strong place inside themselves. I just wanted to draw that for people if they didn't notice it themselves that what you're talking about is is like the inner work. Like it's the inner development that is also required for having powerful self-directed autonomous birth experiences. And oh, and that's what I wanted to say. Something you had, I think I watched one of your YouTube videos where you use the phrase like exercise your freedom muscles. And I just love that so much because I think it does take practice and can be challenging at first and feel a little weird if you've lived as a sheep for summer all of your life within the system. So I think it's cool to point that out and tell people like, even if that sounds scary now, like you said, the training wheels approach, like just do start, just try because otherwise what's going to happen if none of us <laughs> stand up for these boundaries that are so important. This, this kind of, this freedom muscles analogy after nine 11 government said to us, children, we got this, go to your rooms. And a lot of us listened. And I understand that. I get that. And for 20 years, a lot of us have been in our rooms saying government's got this. And that's part of what made what happened in spring 2020 so possible. So that the government response was so total. And it was a lot of people, a lot of people were shocked. Looking back at it, they're shocked that such a thing could happen in America and even to spread around the globe in so many ways. The And with such similarity and precision and identical messaging and so many very total things about it that are are frightening. And when someone gets out of bed after 20 years of laying in bed, let's imagine some person is able to lay in bed for 20 years. And that's that's a, a thing that happens. And sure. proverbially, like I said, proverbially, that's what we've done since 9-11, so many of us. When they leap out of bed, you can't expect them to go run a marathon. They might not even, they leap out of bed, they might not even be able to stand up. And we have to be generous with ourselves, recognizing that these maybe there need to be some baby steps as we we start to re, rebuild what it means to to be an adult and like i said before i, I believe being adult it, when you when it comes down to it it is identifying your boundaries communicating your boundaries defending your boundaries and i could say it could also be said identifying your values communicating your values and defending your values and defending can simply be I'm not going to be doing that now. That will not be happening around me. I'm going to walk away. I don't support this or whatever. Or it could be, hey, don't do that. That's not okay. There are going to be consequences if you do that. It can look all kinds of ways, but this kind of, and that's for you to figure out in your own life what it looks like. The, And I want to, we're talking about bringing the book into a doctor, bringing the book into a principal. I really want to caution your listeners. We talked earlier about how this is a chance to separate yourselves from people who don't have your similar values. And again, that spouse relationship is you, you really want to, that's probably not the relationship to separate yourself from. That's probably the one to, to really figure out how do you guys love each other, but your doctor might be an amazing doctor up until 2019. If your doctor fell for all of this, that's got to be a real check where you say, does this guy really know what I thought he knew? Is this guy and more important than that, perhaps, because no one knows everything and that's okay. But mm-hmm. the spirit you bring with that, if you 
recognize your ignorance and say, I don't know, but I'm willing to find out, or I don't know, I want to hear what you think. When a doctor can do that, that's a beautiful thing. When a doctor can say, I've been out of medical school for 23 years, that means I basically haven't read a medical journal in 23 years. That means everything I know is 23 years old. And actually I was taught by professors who themselves were in that situation. Everything I know might really be more like 40 years old or 50 years old. If a doctor can say that, you're probably the pretty good doctor, right? Even if they don't know what they're doing. That humility, perfect word. And if that doctor has an arrogance around this and is still continuing this behavior, these are warning signs that this is the wrong doctor for you. And I know it's hard to find a good doctor. I know it's hard to part company with a doctor who, who, knows, who knows 11 years of what you've been through. I get it. I get that this is hard. This, this doesn't end tomorrow. This doesn't, this, this psychosis going on doesn't just end tomorrow. I'd love for it to end tomorrow, but in all likelihood, it continues. In all likelihood, the shift between the people who get it, the division between the people who get it and don't get it, likely it, it grows. And you're choosing, if you keep going to that doctor who you can't have this conversation with, who isn't standing up for your best interest, who's continuing to mask your kids, who's continuing to mask himself, that doctor, he's going to come up with worse things for you. He's, he might be the doctor. He might be the doctor reporting you. He might be the doctor coming up with schemes against you. Like this, you don't want to be in a situation where you're compromised and that's the person you have to trust, whether it be Mm -hmm. surgery, whether it be what prescription to take it, you just, you want someone on your side. And so many doctors have shown themselves to not be on their side, Mm -hmm. to not be on the side of the patient right now. Absolutely. Yeah, and the same goes for the the school stuff. I think I saw somewhere where you talked a little bit about that, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like here in, in Duluth, we're relatively small. About 100,000 people live here, and there's not a ton of school options. And I was somebody, I, maybe I won't get too into the story, but I'd always planned on homeschooling. And my seven-year-old wanted to go to school when she was, she six? Let's see. Yeah the year she turned six. And so we came up with a compromise and it was mid COVID. And so we sent her two days a week. We were able to do part-time at a Montessori school where they were not requiring math. So that was okay with me. We didn't do it again the next year, but it was really hard to find an option that they were the only, I think, at educational institution school. That's what I'm trying to say. That wasn't requiring masks in what year that would have been 2021. No, 2020, 2021. Is that right? Wow, the years are just flying by here. But she also rode the bus the two days a week and was not wearing a mask on the bus either. And then I think it was a few months into the school year, they called to let me know, hey, we have a problem. Your daughter isn't wearing a mask on the bus. And we told her she had to, and she said she wasn't gonna. (laughs) do that. And I said, yeah, she's not riding the bus anymore. I don't know. So it would have been really cool to have, um, perhaps. And I did talk with the guy who runs the bus company and he was like, I can't wait till this is over. It's so stupid. Then let my kid ride the bus. And so I didn't ask about the policy as you've suggested. So that's perhaps something I could have done, but we just chose to, to drive her, which we were able to do. So my point being, it's really, it's, I've seen it be a challenge for other people I know in this smaller town who their kids either want to go to school or they want to send their kids to school. They can't really figure out what to do. So I love without putting 
too much of the burden on you to tell them what to do. I'd love to hear your two cents on this school. I, uh, if, if you, if you ever want to spend, do a whole episode on the schools, I yeah. would be, I would so love it. And we could go into, we could go into activism. We could go into how to organize a little bit. We could go into cool. change. I've seen even in craziest mask world parts of California change yeah. that I've seen parents accomplish and th- th- that cool. I've been involved in that I firsthand seen. And it'll be, I believe it'll just be an inspiration for your audience. Okay. Um, we'll do it. And that you want to do that. I will be so up for it Good. because I know it's a, a chunky topic that, that it'll take. It's a big meaty topic. Yeah, the chunky meaty topic. <laughs> you, this, you brought up policy and this one, one real effective way. Someone comes along and says to you, you got to do this. Oh, okay. Can I see that in writing? Oh, great. Could you email me the policy? Would you go print up that policy for me real quick? I'd love to have a look. You, I was reading last night about a guy. I was reading a story about a guy who he went to China. He never did kickboxing his whole life. Four weeks before some like big kickboxing tournament, he starts training and he read the rules. He starts training. The guy won the kickboxing tournament and it had a stipulation in it. In the rules, just because he looked at the policy, he won the tournament. This guy, he did two things. He, he played with his weight a little bit. That's a, a different story. But the key <laughs> thing he did, the key thing he did is it says if someone, and it's, they do this kickboxing on like a, a raised podium. If someone falls off the podium three times, a competitor falls off the podium three times, they're out. You win. The other person wins. All he did, he didn't kickbox. He pushed the other person out three times. And he did that over and over again. And he won this national championship. <laughs> By pushing someone out. And this is, I, I started by talking about hackers, how your listeners are hackers already, and they can see yeah. themselves as hackers. And what I'm asking is for them to be continue to be hackers in every area of their life so that they can go more sensibly from point A to point B directly instead of doing the 26 points that culture is demanding them of. And just like that guy at the podium. And one, one way to hack it is to just say, can I see that policy? And some people mm-hmm. back down at that point. If you have a look at the policy, almost always there's going to be something that, that gives you a loophole, gives you an exemption. It's very attractive. There's about the Montessori schools. Maria Montessori, when my daughter was in the, the carriers, carrier size still, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'd take her for a walk on naps. We'd go in the park and I'd read, I'd read books. Or I've read dozens of books to my daughter as she was getting ready for a nap. And I know it's not good sleep uh, hygiene to, <laughs> to be napping and walking like that, but it was great. And one book, one book I read, I don't recall the title of it. It's a, like a $5, $8 book written by Maria Montessori paperback. It's got this redheaded kid on the cover. I don't remember the something about childhood, but it's such a beautiful book. And it might be 150 pages, such a beautiful book in where she just so beautifully describes the child is a full human and needing to be treated as such. And that you just got to understand a few different things. And it's so beautiful. And I think I've read the thing twice or three times now. Some of our followers are goofs. They're total goofs. They use the name, but they're just goofs. And to imagine a Montessori school masked right now, it's preposterous to me. And this school did shift actually really just for interesting interest sake. She went the whole year for the two days a week, no masks. And then they did this school year. So they held out, but then this, and so I've wondered if they didn't do it the year we were there because they knew I'd really be a pain in their ass. You see how one, you see how one lion just 
keeps the boundary protected for the whole community that yeah. it could have yeah. it really could have been we don't want to deal with margo again i mean you, it, i am i am beautiful. hard to deal with there's a as as you're it's neat that you're from duluth there's a it, it was a, there was a, i don't remember the name of the writer there was a commencement address like mid 80s late 80s like 86 maybe and they brought this writer up from south america and it was at, I think it was University of Minnesota. He gave a, he was given the commencement talk and he's all academics are rah, rah, rahing him because he's a big deal in literature. And he's given the commencement address and he, the PhDs are there getting their degrees, the master's students and the bachelor's students are ready for their next degrees and the families, little kids are there learning how to stay, go, go, how wonderful, how much wonderful pomp and circumstance there is. And the guy in his commencement address says, the longer you stay in school, the deeper society will drive the knife into you. Take my advice as quickly as you can leave this institution and every institution. It, it, it was, it became a, a thing academia no longer wanted to talk about after that, that he got so much fanfare coming in the door. And I, I read a few accounts of it once, maybe 10 years ago, and I just was never able to find those accounts again. The, uh, so interesting. It's important. You talked about doctors and schools both. It, it is important to recognize that if your values aren't being shared with your child, you're abdicating in their upbringing, you're abdicating that responsibility instead of delegating. And in some ways, you're letting others raise your kid. And sometimes well, there's so many settings where uh, a child may have many daycare providers over a period of time or a number of teachers and, and the parents, the parents are really encouraged not to ask too many questions about the teachers to just accept that at the school door is where the parents' responsibility yeah. ends. And we need to be, we need to be, it's sometimes we need to delegate. That's okay. Sometimes that yeah. happens. You can't, I love being with my family as much as I can, but I get that it's not always possible. But if you're delegating, that's one thing. If you're making sure that people share your values, they're trained the way you want, that you're asking the hard questions that you're, and I'm like, you should probably like once a week be talking to someone who's with your kids saying, we really believe this in our family. We want to make sure you're the same. It's really important to us. Yeah. Once a week is probably maybe not even enough to keep reinforcing that. And if you're not reinforcing it, it's your fault, not theirs for wandering off and doing who knows what with your child. If you abdicate, right? If you abdicate their responsibility, it's a very different thing where you're saying, okay, not mine anymore. I'm just going to yeah. trust that this person's last 40 years of training were totally normal. I'm going to trust their childhood was totally normal, that they're not going to, they're not going to come up with any weird idea to shove in my kid's uh, life. Um, yeah. You just get what you get. Yeah. It's how they, yeah. I was just talking to someone about this recently because my daughter has a few times said, maybe I do want to go to school mostly because it's like a curiosity since we yeah. don't like the grass yeah. is always greener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I told her and I, and I was saying to other people too, if I could interview the teachers and pick yeah. the one I like and that matches yeah. our values, like I would consider it, but it's like that process isn't even part of the institution because like you said, it's, so you get what you get. They've totally forgotten that like they're paid by our taxes. Like we are the customer, they are the service provider. It's just like this yeah. totally bizarre backwards thing. And this piece around self-responsibility is where it all comes back to masks, birth, education for kids, all of it. And when people don't know that they can claim that for themselves, then there's these, yeah, these bizarre things happen like yeah. that. Oh, just here's my kid. And I have no idea what this teacher believes or what they're going to do or 
what they're gonna teach it's so fascinating okay so i i had a departure for a moment that i think is an interesting question it's a selfish question for me but i guess we've talked a little bit about people being on that side of the interaction like walking into a doctor walking into a school maybe a grocery store whatever and you go way more in depth in your books on that especially the first one but what about for people on the other side like I mentioned like the OSHA thing and Marin and I put out a an ebook a pdf called the maskless midwife and the trials and tribulations that we've experienced being in our community and and having people come to us and having to explain why we don't wear them and why we don't work with people who do wear them. I'm just curious if you've come across other people like us in other disciplines or, or what advice you'd give. Yeah, to like business owners, I guess, when it comes down to it. And we're specifically in the health and wellness field. Mm-hmm. And that's been, sorry to another departure here that's been like the one of the most shocking things I think for me in the last two years is being like oh like that acupuncturist is wearing masks and requiring them and the chiropractor and like people that I've thought were on the same page with natural health and wellness stuff and were I thought they were out of the box like me and it turns out mm-hmm. like whoa it's just totally shocking and other midwives, almost universally midwives are requiring, not so much anymore, but throughout they have either worn them themselves, they've had their pregnant clients wearing them, or the husband and children have to wear them in their own home at the birth, like just absolute insanity. So yeah, I guess there's two questions there. One would be advice for business owners who like aren't going to put up with this. And then specific, anything specific you'd want to share with pregnant women who are going, a lot of them are going to the OB or their midwife and being asked to wear masks in appointments, even if not in labor throughout their prenatal care, they are. So I just dropped two, two big questions on you. Those are good. I was speaking earlier about being the lion walking around and how you naturally spread freedom around you. And that all it takes is just being truthful with other people. And if you're hiding, if you're hiding some of your deeply held values from others around you, you are lying to them and you're not giving them a chance to get to know you. And they might really like to, they might really a person that you let them see if you let them see the real you. And so many of us are just afraid people won't like the real us. And you just don't, you do society such a disservice. You do yourself such a disservice when you don't let others see you. And that might mean they say, I really don't like you. And that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because again, that's, it just makes room for someone else who's really going to love you and cherish you. And you do that and you you just, you will be surprised what wonderful relationships you end up with if you're just, if you just stop lying to others by hiding yourself. And it goes even a little further that some people listening to this may have never seen themselves as leaders. They've always been out of the fold a little bit away from others, doing their own thing, happier to be that way. Maybe they followed others at times. Maybe they're not one to speak up in a group. There might be lots of ways that they've convinced themselves that they're not a leader. But the truth is, this time, if you're still listening to this specific episode, (laughs) I I think you've self-selected already that this time has called on you to be a leader. And that, I'm going to take it even further, this time has called on you to be a public intellectual, in fact, that it's your job to be ready with a few talking points, with a few words of wisdom, with a few explanations of why you're doing something. And that 
that might have to come up in a grocery store, that might have to come up in the middle of, of some place where it doesn't usually come up, where you just want to be left alone. But there's a little bit of responsibility on your shoulders right now if you're still listening to this. And that is bringing society back from the abyss. And there's lots of scared people. They were There were lots of people who looked at, let's say, uh, Andrew Cuomo and said, that man is leadership material. That man is going to be with me through thick and thin for forever. And his brothers on TV, This is these are people I can trust for forever. And hardly do I even hear their names mentioned anymore is how you know, how people have determined they're not, they were not trustworthy at all. Those same people, they're just looking around themselves saying, who do I follow now? Who am I supposed to believe? The Fauci emails are more and more becoming known where when Fauci thought no one was listening, he was saying, no, these masks don't work. When Fauci thought no one was ever going to be able to read those emails, which we, the public, have a full right to see. When Fauci thought no one was going to see them, no, those masks don't work. That, that's what he was saying. And people are starting to get, even the people wearing the masks still diligently, are starting to get that there's something wrong with the narrative. And they don't, they have no idea who to trust. And they might not trust you, but if you at least tell the truth, if you at least speak up and you say, this is what I believe, and you say it clearly, and you say it, it doesn't need to be yelling. If you say it clearly and you hold your ground, you show leadership material, and this time calls on you to be a leader. And sometimes in my interactions, that might get a little more. I might say, why are you still wearing that? And I don't, under my breath, why are you still wearing that? Walk away. I don't do that. Why are you still wearing that? And I pause as if I'm expecting an answer, and I usually don't get one. Is this how you're going to do it for forever? What are you showing your children by wearing that mask? Don't they deserve better? Is this the world you're going to hand them? I ask these questions because they have to be asked. I don't do it all the time, but we need to see ourselves as leaders and as public intellectuals. We need to be ready with those answers. We need to be ready with those questions. We need to be ready to push a little bit. We need to be ready to be there to lead others because Something like 80% of people, 90% of people, they're just looking for who to lead, who to follow. And whether you like it or not, that's you see what's going on. If you do not lead, no one leads. That's it. If you do not lead, you leave society to the hyenas. And I'm not talking about changing the whole world overnight. I'm not trying to say that. But in the world that you know it, in your experience with the world, the people around you, the people you care about the most, yourself, your home, the small community around you, whatever that may look like, in your world, you can change that world. You can be the leader who leads that part of the world. So you don't even realize. That was awesome. I love it. Such good nuggets in there. Wow. Yeah. So tell me, since part of the world that we care about most is women who are pregnant, what would you say to those women who are like, maybe they have a midwife they love or a doctor they love and they're being asked to wear a mask at their appointments? The, the U.S. government, the medical establishment, I have no idea what your audience feels about this topic, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a moment that was important to me as a father, trying to understand all these decisions that had to be made, or even decisions I was told I had no right to. The U.S. government, the medical establishment, almost exclusively 
says a child at birth must be given a vaccine for a sexually transmitted disease. And there's no exception around that. And you're going to be pressured at the most tender moment of your life to give that vaccine to your child. There's no, not, we'll come back in three months, not let me think about it, not, well, can't we wait till they're 12? Not, can you show me some research? No, at that moment, you better let the child have a sexually transmitted disease vaccine at that moment. There might be a blood transfusion. There might, no, it's a sexually transmitted disease vaccine, okay? And, yeah. and there's, I get there's public health reasons for it. It's sure. just, it, it just, it tells you where so many aspects of the system are about their care for your family as individuals, the care for your child, especially in that situation. And I, I that was a, an important moment for me when it, 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 it was seminal, when I understood that's really something that exists. And I didn't, I had no idea when I understood that that's really a thing that exists. It was such an eye-opener for me. If your audience probably knows, your audience probably knows if they're going to be with uh, a, a doctor, an OBGYN, who's going to be strong-arming them in the delivery room on that topic, that they're with the wrong person. Your audience probably has that discernment to, to be able to see ahead of time I'm going to want this kind of situation. I'm not going to want that kind of situation. And there's so many variables of what it could look like. And I get, you can't control everything. And that's part of the beauty of childbirth that it's, you are not in control. You are, you are humbled and it's a beautiful thing. And parenting can be like that. Sometimes it can be so humbling totally. sometimes and you can learn from the kids sometimes. And wow, I didn't know that about myself. And it, it's so, if you can say no to the face mask, it's been a gift of 2020. If you can say no to the face mask, you can say no to so much worse. This is th the most beautiful treasure that has come up. I hate the mandates. No question about it. I hate what it's done to people. No question about it. At the same time, for a society that's been asleep for 20 years and has said, government's got this. Everything's going to be okay. Nothing to worry about. And that's not how government works. That's not the truth of how power and decisions work. If you are silent, you will have no say. That's how it really works. And mm. people who've been asleep for 20 years, this is the most beautiful gift we could have been given. This easy to say no to imposition on our lives, this face mask. And it is so easy to say no to. You know what you're doing? It is so easy to say no to. And like I said, it starts with some training wheels maybe, but you end up, huh, you will be such a force to be reckoned with just because you figured out how to say no to the face mask a few times. And you might not feel like a force to be reckoned with in your life. You might feel shy. Like I said, you might not feel like a leader. You use this, you can become a force to be reckoned with. And it's so beautiful how I've seen literally thousands of people develop in this way. And it's a beautiful thing. So if you will say no to that face mask, you can say no to so much worse. And on the other side, I've had many mothers, especially tell me how awful I am for saying this. I'm going to say something I know some listeners are going to say is awful. If you say yes to that face mask, you're going to say yes to the vaccine. You're going to say yes to so much worse. You just haven't mm -hmm. heard the right reason yet. And that is the difference between being a person of values and a person of preferences. If you are a person of values, nothing, no matter what the right reason is, is going to convince you to turn against those values. If you're a person of preferences, I just have to hear the right reason. And if you don't like 
whatever so much worse looks like in a society, and we have times in history where it's been worse than this, and we have people very publicly talking about what their plans for society are, and probably any news source you're watching is giving you little hints of that. The, and I'm not speaking about conspiracy. It just really, yeah. public health officials, no matter where you live, someone, some public health official very close to you is very openly talking about their plans for your life. And they are not plans that anyone still listening to this, this podcast at this point wants in their lives. So you get to, you get to draw this line. The face mask is so easy to say no to. You get to draw this line and it starts with you. And then you get to draw a line around your family. And then you get to draw a line around the people around you in your community. You get to help those people do this. And some people, they're paying attention to the community. They're paying attention to, I don't know, what uh, Klaus Schwab is doing or what, what is happening in some WHO meeting or what's happening in DC. And these things are important to keep abreast of. But if, if your family's not in order, if you aren't in order, then we're putting all your attention there, that's distraction. And it's good to keep it. It's good to pay a little attention to it, to know what's going on in the world. But, oh, if your family's hurting, it needs you, especially right now. It needs your leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much that this is a gift and it's a place to practice and again, exercise those freedom muscles because I agree. I think there's things in the future that they're planning to come down the pipeline, of course. And then there's also the things that we already know in the birth room, for example, or five years from now, if if you're sending your kid to school, like you're going to have to deal with this then when kindergarten starts. So I think our listeners absolutely need to be asking themselves those questions. What do they really believe? And I love that distinction between preferences and values. And what are you really going to stand up for? Yeah. And and thinking of it as as an exercise. I love that word, just like an exercise and a practice. It's not totally related, but I had, I got a chance to practice something similar recently with a a nurse when I went to, I hadn't been to a a doctor or a nurse myself in many years and just around saying no to something that I knew they were going to offer me. And I know for myself, it's been an evolution over my adult life in particular, where it's, I still get anxious about saying no to things, but less every time it's a little less. And every time I feel a little bit more powerful and a little bit more in my truth. And so it's, yeah, it's a gift that we've been given to, to, and a litmus test. like we've talked about throughout around like who, who else aligns in this way and who doesn't and who do I want to spend my time with and where do I want to put my energy? Yeah. I love all of that that you've shared and these sort of orienting points you've given us to think about around the hyenas and the sheep and the lions. So I guess, is there anything else you'd like to, to share with our audience before we wrap up? this really awesome episode that I've so enjoyed. I've enjoyed it too. This has been wonderful. I had a chance to, about two weeks ago now, I had a chance to speak outside Facebook headquarters at a a nice rally. It was about free speech. It was about censorship. And in, in early 2020, my team and I, we recognized that the search engines were being used to control what we were having access to, to limit how much truth was accessible. And I had used I had used the search engines very effectively for a long time, and I could feel the algorithms change because I was doing the same research over and over again. Constantly, I, I write, like yeah. I said, I write so much, so I'm constantly trying to figure out what's the the whole 
breadth of information out there? What are the different opinions? How do I make sure that opinion I totally disagree with? How do I make sure I really understand it before I conclude that I disagree with it? Things like that. I'm just always Mm -hmm. out there looking for more. And my team and I discovered that, so that was happening early 2020. So we did this research. We did this research to figure out how the algorithms were changing. And we put together a neat report about it. We need these good tools for finding the truth out there. And there's all kinds of ways, right? The people listening to this podcast, they know a way to go find truth reliably. If anyone's using DuckGo still, I know in 2020, I was able to determined through this research we did that DuckO was heavily censored by then. And I've got this report. It's it's 11 search engines that suck and two search engines that are awesome. Or at least well, there's shortcomings to everything, but at least two search engines that aren't censoring. And that I'd like, if I got two ways that I get around big tech censorship in, in 2020 also, I gave up a small fortune. I lost a small fortune because, of, because I built a business around Google and it, I became very, I put myself at risk I made myself very easy to censor without realizing it. So I I try to build a lot of ways in to to avoid single choke points and to avoid being easily censored. I would like to share that anyone who's using DuckDuckGo, anyone who's looking for good search engines, I'd like to share that with your listeners. And I got two ways, two ways to find it. One's kind of a neat way on the phone. If it's your kind of thing, if you text the word truth, T-R-U-T-H, T-R-U-T-H, I spelled it right. If you text the word truth to three three. 777. So it's text the word truth to 33777. You'll get that report. And the report, it's 25 pages long, but like the books I described, I know people are busy. So on the first page, I give you the two search engines that are good. I give the 11 search engines that are awful. And then there's 25 pages about why I think that and my experience with the research. And some of it's like really shocking. Like you wouldn't believe some of the stuff we encountered and it could be helpful. So you text the word truth to 33777 or, and that works in the United States. If you're elsewhere, another way, or if you don't want to use your phone, I have a website, realstevo.com, R-E-A-L-S-T-E-V-O.com. Stevo is my last name, realstevo.com. If you go to realstevo.com slash search, S-E-A-R-C-H, you'll also be able to get that, that report there. And you can get, you can, you'll be signed up for my emails. You can unsubscribe anytime you want. That's fine with me, but I want to make sure you are not, it's not Google deciding what they think of you. And if you can participate in my encouraging daily newsletter or what they think of me, but it's you and I making that decision, especially you saying, Hey, I don't want to be part of this newsletter anymore or whatever, but it's a cool, it's a cool little guide. And it's, I send encouraging emails. It sounds a lot like what we're talking about here. I send encouraging emails every single day. I know people get a lot of depressing stuff delivered to their inbox. I know there's a, a trillion dollar media machine attempting to depress every one of us, make us feel like we just should give up now and we don't matter <laughs> when in fact, every decision matters. And it's a beautiful thing. And we live in such beautiful times. And I talk about censorship, but 50 years ago, Margo, you and I could not be having this conversation. Maybe you could have a small radio station and maybe I could live near you and I would go to your small radio station and maybe it would broadcast for 50 miles around. Maybe that could have happened. But the access to the airwaves was difficult in so many ways. The access to the printing press was difficult in so many ways. And now anyone can go spend 10 minutes. They have a website, a blog up and running, which is effectively a printing press that can reach all around the world with 10 minutes of work. And it's basically free. And like that, that, we are so not censored. The most censored people right now have more freedom to communicate their message than mm. some of the, the like mid-level intellectuals did 50 years ago. So this is maybe we're more censored now than we were five years ago. 
but come on, this is like huge victories that we can be so happy about. So any of these messages to like be de depressed about this stuff, we just got to say no to them. We got to realize the beauty we're living through. And that's the kind of stuff I write about every day. Cause I want people to have that every day to re reliably get that every day. I love that. I'm excited to, to get on your newsletter list. I'm going to do it right after we get off this call. Cool. It sounds like there's maybe another episode in the works for us, but for now that feels like a nice concluding point. And I just want to say thank you so much. I feel like you've brought that encouragement here today for me. And I feel uplifted and just so grateful that there are people like you in the world doing this work and, and doing it in a way that feels really, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like grounded and joyful. Like it's not this like big conflict, scary, aggressive, like us versus them thing. And I think when we can model that for people, like you said, just being leaders in that way, then others are going to follow suit. So I just appreciate you. And thank you again for being here. Marco, thank you for the work you do. There is, people have so many options and how they want to live life. And it doesn't just have to be what you're handed. And you spend time helping people recognize what those options are and how to live a more beautiful life. And I just, I know how much in my own life, the, the, the childbirth process meant, and I didn't even get to be the, the star of the process, either <laughs> of the stars. And, but I, I was just, I was like a very distant, uh, minor figure in it all, but I got to be there and I know how special it, it was. And I just, I want to commend you for the role you play in that special part of people's lives. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you enjoyed what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and give this podcast a five-star review. For more enriching content and conversation around the primal physiological process that is pregnancy, birth, and beyond, please head over to IndieBirth.org. And if you are in the Duluth area seeking prenatal and midwifery support, you can find Margot at DuluthMidwife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.